You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here with the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today is March 10th, 2021. On the show today, Dan Wilson and I, it is part one of our crossover podcast. He is a Locked On Phillies host. So we have a nice conversation about how the Nats and Phillies are kind of in the same spot in the National League East, looking up at the Braves and the Mets and kind of where they fit in the playoff picture. So we talk about that. It's part one of our conversation. One big note, guys, I know the Nats are having, obviously, spring training games right now. At the end of the week on Friday, I'm going to kind of do a recap of what happened in spring training this week for the Nats. I feel like that's the best way to do it, especially because the games, once again, are not being televised. So it's, it's much more difficult to find those games and, and watch them live um, than it is for a lot of other teams, which is very challenging and upsetting. But that's kind of the way it works. So uh, I'm going to do the best I can throughout the week to kind of gather information and give you guys something more substantial on Friday's show, as opposed to me just reading off a box score today. Uh, you know, I'll be able to watch the interviews find some highlights on YouTube and be able to go and watch some stuff actually, as opposed to just giving it a, a blind shot in the dark, which I don't want to do. You guys are smarter than that. And you, you know, there's no point in doing that. So I want to make sure whatever I present to you all is, you know, uh, thoughtful and actually is uh, worthwhile as opposed to going talking about a box score, which you guys could all do. So so let you guys know that. Uh, so yeah, Friday's show is going to be kind of a recap of the week that was at Nat Spring Training. Tomorrow is going to be part two of this crossover episode with Dan. Uh, and then obviously today is part one. We kind of talk about how the Nats and the Phillies are in the same place from a general standpoint. Talk about, you know, fan base uh, approaches, especially Philadelphia's, because I think you guys all know they're pretty interesting there. So we'll talk about that. All right. I hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, it is that time of the week again. We've got a crossover episode, uh, National League East edition, part number two. Josh Neighbors here from Locked On Nationals. Dan Wilson from Locked On Phillies. Dan, it is nice to talk to you again. Josh, long time. Hello. <laughs> Hello, uh, long time friends. Don't yes. just can't do this uh, often enough, but look, I'm looking forward to it. Baseball season is back. We get to cross over here and Fortunately, uh, these two teams meet quite often, so I'm sure uh, yes. it will be a more reoccurring occurrence now. You know, what's, you know what's really funny is that on this network, so obviously it's 30 Major League Baseball teams. So I went to school with two of the people, uh, Nash Walker of Locked On Twins and then uh, Lucas Smith over at Locked On Cardinals. You and I have known each other, I guess, I mean, since how old were we? Like 14, 15? Let's see. You were declaring it was your final year of sports. Was it, was it your first camp, <laughs> around around age eleven? No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, we've known each other seven, eight years, something like yes. that. And and for those who don't understand, uh, sports broadcasting camp uh, run by uh, the fine folks Jeremy Treatman and Steve Goldstein, giving a little free shout out here. Yes, uh, a camp that is run all over the country now. Uh, but we went to their. We'll call it their flagship camp, the mm -hmm. where it all started at Villanova University, uh, regarded as their Philadelphia area camp. Uh, you are not from the Philadelphia area. The, I'm not. Ties. You do have ties to the area, and you're from the East Coast uh, down in Virginia. But, uh, yeah, we met there, and you we, we were both, I would call, staple campers. I, I think we, we were. were. Well, well, also, you know, we, we, it was a lot of fun. Also, we, we have to give them some credit for giving us some of the broadcasting 
uh, guess the young broadcasting chops that we had to kind of get us get us started. It what's really funny is for me personally, I've always felt like I've been. I'm not like I don't watch the. Like, I wouldn't say I'm afar from the Phillies. I would say I'm like. I I don't have the right word to describe it. I'm like I just I'm floating in orbit. I'm like I'm. If like the Phillies universe is Saturn, I'm one of Saturn's rings. I feel like that is, I feel like that's my perspective on, um, on the Phillies. Just well, because you, you went to camp in Philly. So you, right. you get some of that and people in Philly love nothing more than to talk about Philadelphia sports teams. And the Phillies were the only team ever going on while you were here True. for camp. So you were immersed in it, whether you were a Phillies fan or not. Right. Always a lot of talking, you know, Chase Utley, I mean, just the amount of Chase Utley trades. Look, the amount of time you debated whether the Phillies should be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline, <laughs> no vested interest in the question at all, is more like than numerous, probably, like like numerous times, like every single time. Um, it, it's one of the great traditions of that camp. And I, I suspect that I never went to any camp. Uh, I never went to any sports broadcasting camp location outside of the Philadelphia area. I don't know if it goes on just as th- that conversation goes on in other places to the same extent, but it's what one of the things that makes Philadelphia great. One of the things that makes that camp great. The yeah, I mean, it is. It is the same thing they over teach, and over again relentlessly. They teach you, you Phillies fans at a young age, this like like the, to to try to trade your players all the time, and you uh, and you wonder why you know <laughs> Philly fans are the way they are. They're just right. training. I mean, this is this is a fan base that just had it, Philadelphia fans. Once again, it's it's such a weird experience because you have like the Eagles win the Super Bowl, and I mean, it's you know how many years removed now, three or four, and they just three years, up, three years, and they broke up. They broke it up like every part of the Super Bowl team. There, the analogy that I heard floating around, it's a great one. Is there the guy you know or the girl you know who won the lottery? And then went bankrupt immediately, <laughs> blew it all. <laughs> and like the peak was them winning the lottery. They did it once. They had their moment in time. They had talked about winning the lottery for years. And they're like, one day it'll be me. One day it'll be me. And it finally happens. You're like, I can't believe it. And then they did everything wrong to spend that money after the fact. And you're like, wow, where did it all go wrong for them? And then, and then you, then, um, then you get, then you go to the basketball side. Right. And you got the Sixers and I've, I've maintained that, Sixers fans were happier when they were awful than when they were good. I think this year with standing, I think there was a lot more positivity around. Look, uh, they're the one seed in the East. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they planted a barber with COVID just so Simmons and Embiid wouldn't get hurt in the All-Star <laughs> game. Uh, um, and then Doc Rivers played Kyrie Irving and James Harden more than any other two players in the All-Star game. Like, they're ready to go. They're, they're planting yeah. the seed the finals <laughs> yeah. um and uh i don't i i flyers are good i right i mean they're good they're they're good they're they're fringe playoff team right now they had some COVID issues uh they struggle well, everybody is in that division everybody is i mean it's, yes it's they, they lost they just lost two out of three in pittsburgh and then they returned home with fans for the first time look philadelphia and pennsylvania in rel in relation to the rest of the country i would call it appropriate caution but others would view it as have been slow to bring fans back I mean, with the exception of three Eagles games, there had not been fans at a sporting event in Philadelphia for the past year until this Flyers game this past Sunday because the state and the city just approved it. And Philadelphia fans uh, returned to the building. Uh, I believe the if you had the over-under at less than 20 minutes, I think it was 17 minutes in real time until there was a refuse suck chant. Uh, and the very first power play, people were yelling shoot right off the bat. So it, fans are back. <laughs> Uh, and so that brings us to now the Phillies. I mean, where where is the fan base 
on this Philadelphia team because, um, you know, it's, it's weird. It's always interesting to see where a baseball team fits into a city's sporting fabric. Um, and for a long time, I think during, you know, when you and I were growing up, uh, Philadelphia was a Phillies town because obviously the Sixers were kind of in transition, right? They had, you know, was, they're basically between Iverson and between, you know, ten, they were in that 10 year gap where it was like Allen Iverson and now where they are now, right? You know, the full tank, the start of the full tank. Um, Cause you know, the Andre Iguodala, right? Those teams were pretty average. And then, you know, so it wasn't that town and the Eagles obviously had the Super Bowl run uh, in the early two thousands and really weren't around, you know, they had a run to the NFC Championship in 2009. Right, won that game. The, the Mike, yeah, Mike Vick Renaissance. But to you know, to me, where, where are the Phillies fans right now? Where are Philadelphia fans on the Phillies? On the Phillies, I, look, they they need the Phillies to be Philadelphia as a whole needs the Phillies to be good. I don't know if it's realized outside of Philadelphia, but the sec, second longest playoff drought in baseball sits in Philadelphia. I mean, seriously, with the exception of the Seattle Mariners, who. I can't even fathom how bad of an organization they've been because <laughs> they had a 116 win season in 2001 and literally haven't made the postseason since. So if you want to take them out of the equation, no team in baseball. It's been a decade. We're now in 2021, 2011. Same thing, by the way. Phillies had the best record in baseball that year. Per, best record in franchise history, 102 wins. They lost a five-game series to the St. Louis Cardinals, lost one nothing. Roy Halladay pitched a masterpiece, and they lost a one nothing game to the St. Louis Cardinals. And they have not played a playoff game ever since. Ryan Howard tore his Achilles on the final at bat, and it was like that was the day that everything ended. And growing up as a Philadelphia Phillies fan in that era, we were totally spoiled. Like, we have kids my age at the time had no concept of what the Phillies organization was because we happened to grow up in a very impressionable sports like time, like in terms of age, you know, 2007, I was in fourth grade and they made the playoffs when I was in fourth grade, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, 2007, they get swept out in the first round by the Rockies, 2008, I'm in fifth grade and I'm 11. And that's like the peak of childhood sports fandom and they win the world series. And I'm like, you know, no one my age believed anything their parents had told them, especially their dads, you know, who get you on baseball and sports in general, understanding that this is not a good organization historically. And the fact that Ryan Howard and Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins and Cole Hamels and this group that was known nationally, it, it, we were very lucky and spoiled to have them come together at once. And then they actually, again, this is another thing. I don't know how much it's realized outside of Philadelphia, but this is what I sit up and, you know, think about late at night. Right is they improved, they added a ace caliber pitcher every single year and improved their win total every year. So 08, it was just Cole Hamels, right? And in 2009, they got Cole Hamels and Cliff Lee and they improved their win total and they lose the World Series a year after winning it. And in 2010, they come back with Roy Halladay. Now they add another pitcher into that mix and you're looking at an improved win total and then they lose in the championship series to the Giants. And then in 2011, they add Roy Oswalt and Cliff Lee left and came back in that span, by the way. 2011, they come out with the four aces, greatest pitching staff you've ever seen. And they have 102 wins and they lose in five to the Cardinals. And then they haven't, not even a playoff berth since, a winning season since. And some of that's been because they flamed out in September recently. And then last year, you're like, all right, this is the year they're going to do it. 
16 teams in the playoffs, 60 games. They can't possibly miss. And they roll out the worst bullpen in 90 years. Like, I'm not kidding. A 7-11 ERA out of the bullpen last year. And they were in it on the final day. Like, Major League Baseball was sent them the cordial invitation, followed up with them with an email, showed up to their house, said, come to the postseason with us. And they said no. Ridiculous. Uh, and so, which is really funny, and and because it kind of sets us up for what we're talking about now. I didn't answer your question at all, no. by the way. But well, where, no, where, I, where no, you did. Is. You you did. You did actually answer my question. I well, think that, but where they are this year, like they're, they're think, anxious for a winner. I think and there's re- more I, optimism I, because Dan, they actually Dan, Dan, the team. Did you didn't you didn't have to say that because we could tell by your answer that there is some anxiety about what's going on. And look, here's why. Here's my pitch to you for why there shouldn't be anxiety. This is from the outsiders. Well, this is this is coming from somebody who's Philadelphia who's fans. The outs, but Philadelphia fans love when outsiders tell them how to think. By the way, well, let ahead. me tell you how to think. Let me tell you how to think. As somebody who covers a team that is most like the Phillies right now in the division, um, good luck. Do do not set your hopes high because this division it's a, it's a very good division is going to be it's going to be killer. And I stack it up like this. If you're hoping for a Phillies or a Nats playoff run this year, you, you better strap in for a, a it's going to be a long year. It's going to be a hard, difficult year. Honestly, I think the Phillies, the Nats making the playoffs is more of an accomplishment than them winning a World Series. And this is what I mean by, well, winning a World Series, I mean, I, I think obviously such a high accomplishment. But think about this. The Dodgers, okay, gonna probably gonna make the gonna win the division. Let's just say the Cardinals make it. Let's say the Braves hold serve and they win the division again. All right, so now there's two wild card spots. Who do you who do you Dan Wilson thinks gets those two wild card spots? Well, I'm looking at this right now. I, the Padres definitely, I think, the favorites to get one of them. Okay, you're absolutely right because I'm looking at the scope. And then who do you think the other out. ones? And then who do you think's get the other one? Well, the Mets are, I would say, in position to do it. Now it's their first year and. You know, the hope is certainly around Philly is that the Mets find a way to screw things up, even though the Phillies have been horrible of late. I would say that's the only path for a team like the Phillies, the Nationals, or the Mets. I think there could be a team, a race within the NL East beyond the Braves. And if you had, if you said right now, pick someone on March 9th, whatever it is, to get that second spot, I would say it's the Mets today. But I think that's the most up in the air playoff spot i would say as of and, and we can throw the brewers in there too and i just the problem for me is like something has to go horribly wrong because these i'm teams, assuming the mets are your answer also the mets are my answer yes okay uh i think the mets are better than the padres i think the padres are going to play worse competition and i think the padres are going to so you think the padres visit the mets in an nl wild card game I think the Mets might have to go there. I think the, I think the Padres are because of that competition. Are benefactors that, yeah, I mean they're gonna like. Fair here's enough. The thing, you know, we'll say what you want about the Marlins, but the Marlins have had a tendency to have like. By the way, deep. they made the postseason last yes. year. Yes, yeah, and, and yeah, and and, and so I, I don't think anybody believes that the Marlins, uh, what they did last year was sustainable. Playing you know forty eight games that were seven innings long and winning a bunch of weird doubleheaders and stuff like that. Now, th- there it's. You know, you can't write them off because they've got such good starting pitching. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's a team that's got a starting pitching. And, oh, yeah, it's got a bunch of guys still left that just made a playoff, made the playoffs last year. So they should have some rel- – they're not pushovers, right? It's not the Orioles. This is not the Orioles. This is not the Tigers. This is not, you know, with the Royals. It's not the Texas Rangers. They've that's been a kind re- of my point. 
you don't have to uh, lecture Phillies fans on that. Yeah. They've been a real thorn in the Phillies' side. They, so they, they somehow they somehow have been a thorn in the side of a lot of teams. In the they, division. Been, I mean, they uh, the Phillies had a seven game series. You heard that correctly, a yeah. seven game series in Miami last year due to COVID. They went down there and lost five out of seven, including a double a seven inning doubleheader on a Sunday in September, and they lost both both of them horribly. The Phillies cannot buy a win in Marlins Park. So to it's, save it's their funny, life. And, and and you know what will happen is. The Phillies or, or the Phillies or Mets or Nats or whoever will play, you know, a rough stretch where you got, you know, let's just say for the sake, you know, the Nats, the Phillies play uh, four with the Braves, three with the Mets. And then, you know, how sometimes you kind of do a bounce back where it's like, you know, four, three, and then you'll play the, the Braves. You just played again. I, I actually have, you know, this is how revved up I'm getting for uh, Phillies baseball here. The listeners can't see this, but I have the 162 game schedule just printed out on my desk here because I just admire it sometimes. Quick pause for the cause today on the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You guys have heard me talk about Built Bar a lot. Right now, they have an awesome thing going on at uh, their Twitter account, at Built underscore Bar. They have the Built Bar Madness. Uh, and right now, what they're doing is they're putting a bracket together of Built Bars. And you guys can go there and vote on, on which one is your favorite every single day. They have a bracket. It's a lot of fun. Go check that out at built underscore bar. And also guys, when you go to builtbar.com, use that promo code locked on 20. That's L O C K E D O N two zero to get 20% off on your next order at builtbar.com. Once again, locked on 20 at builtbar.com. Also use, or also go check out, excuse me, uh, locked on today, new podcast and the locked on podcast network, 20 minutes every single day gets you set for the day's, sports action once again that is locked on today wherever y'all get your podcasts the, Go the ahead. phillies the phillies play the mets like nine times in the first at what is it? they play the mets second series of the year at citizens bank park then they play them again they go to atlanta after having played atlanta at home by the way so they play home atlanta home new york away atlanta away new york and then they play the mets again april 30th through may 2nd so you have not phillies play the mets Nine times in the first, I could count it up here, but it's like 20 or something games, 30, 30 games. It, like they get a lot of them right off the bat. And it's a, a very, very clustered. I and mean, they wait again late in the season. They could be two to two different teams. I mean, yeah, and here's the thing too. It's like, the, you know, you think about those series at the end of the, okay, you know, uh, nice. We get to play three games, the Marlins and Miami this weekend. And then you turn around on Sunday and you're fighting to not get swept. You know what I mean? That's the kind of that's that's but that's the that is the challenge this this division you know presents. I mean, you look at the, this is the national this is how the Nationals start. They've got three with the Mets, three with the Braves, and then three in Los Angeles, followed by three in St. Louis. So welcome back, yeah. Welcome <laughs> back to baseball, uh, and that is what the National League presents this year. Is that there are these stretches and. Um, you know, we always talk about from Nat's perspective, right? 1931, right? 1931. You you cannot do that this year. There is no 1931. Well, they, well, they did it last year in a 60-game season, and no one alerted the Nationals that didn't have all the – But what I'm saying is – They didn't have a 50-game warm-up period last right. year. But here's the problem is, even if the, even if last year was 162, you know, or even this year, is, you know, with, with this, they started that way, there is no climbing out of that hole. Not against this competition – and not how much there's going to be. I mean, look, let's be honest. There's, I mean, there's four teams in the National East that want to make the playoffs that will look at the season as a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. There are two teams, I would say, in the National League Central that view it like that, in the Brewers and the Cardinals. 
there are two teams in the National League West that view like that in the Padres and the Dodgers. There is like I really don't I really don't see somebody else coming out of nowhere and really upsetting the apple cart. And I'll probably have to eat those words at some point. It might actually happen. But let's be honest here. Like those eight teams have positioned themselves so aggressively to try and make something happen with what they have. And they've all got great cases. In the, in the case of the two teams that we're talking about here too, uh, the similarities are this. Two stars in the lineup, right? Each team's got a pair of stars. Ironically, one came from, you know, one the, the one went from the Nationals to, to the, the Phillies. Phil- to the Phillies. And, uh, and they won pitching, the World Series the second they got rid of them. Yeah, yeah <laughs> a pitching rotation that they can view as top-heavy. Uh, and I, well, the Nationals bullpen's better than Phillies. We'll just put, just put that out there right now. Uh, well, then, if, if you're going off last year, you don't have to convince anyone. The yeah, Phillies no. bullpen is better, but yes, they need to yeah, prove themselves. Right yes. Now. And then I would say the rest of the lineup is, you know, it's kind of the question marks, right? Is I think lineup construction for both teams is a question mark. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there. And the Phillies lineup last. So just, again, another thing that, again, I don't know how many people realize outside of Philly, the and granted 60 game season, the Phillies were tied for the fifth most runs, not in the NL in all of baseball last year. Like that's how bad the bullpen was just to kind of give a sense here, the starting lineup, which they're basically running back. Like, you know, you look at the nationals lineup, there's at least a few modifications to it. Plenty of modifications. <laughs> yeah. There's a, you know, there's plenty of modifications to what this lineup looks like from a year ago. Phillies, Romuto behind the plate, same thing. Hoskins at first, same thing. You got uh, Gene Segura at second, same thing. Gregorius back at shortstop. Alec Bohm, difference that he's starting the year up in the big leagues this year. He was a staple in the lineup for most of the year. Harper, still in right. McCutcheon, still in left. How many games he gives you at this point in his career, of course, is a question mark. Really, the only position up in the air right now in spring training is center field and a guy that's getting a lot of buzz and whether it's going to be someone like Scott Kingery, who was horrible last year, Roman Quinn and Adam Hazley just got hurt in spring. Roman Quinn, I don't think, is an everyday center fielder. And then you have a guy in Odubel Herrera, who, of course, is making his return basically to baseball after a domestic violence case back in 2019. And there's debates as to whether he should even be with the team or not. But center field is really the only thing that has the potential to change because they didn't have a staple everyday center fielder. That was an offense that got you tied for the fifth most runs in baseball a year ago. That's not my concern with the team. It's 100% the defense and more so the pitching and what you can get from guys like Matt Moore and Chase Anderson at the back end of your rotation. Is it really possible to fix a bullpen in a year from a 7-11 ERA to just, just give me serviceable? Like I said, you know, the 29th best bullpen in baseball last what, year what are the Phillies would have got them in. That? What have the Phillies done? What 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 looks so like they went, they got they got a bona fide closer in Archie Bradley. They got uh, Jose Alvarado, who is when he's on, he's on stud. Came out firing 99 the other day on a pitch that moves. It's incredible. Uh, it's been a few years since he's really been good, but they're hoping you know they actually got some guys who throw with velocity i don't, I don't know uh how many people realize but when matt clintack had uh control of this team they did make a change there dave dombrowski now at the helm formerly with the red sox president of baseball operations he goes and gets a guy like jose alvarado who throws hard they have guys who were pre-existing in the bullpen uh what, what's his name jojo romero and connor brogdon who throw hard and seem to be 
uh, expecting to get bigger roles here this season. They went out and got a guy like Brandon Kinsler on a minor league deal who was standing right in front of them in the NL East. And he decides to come up north. He was with the Marlins a year ago, had I think it was 12 saves. And now he's coming into the bullpen. You have a guy like Hector Neris who is inconsistent, but when his splitter is working well, it works incredibly well. And now he's taking a more minimalized role because he's been asked to be the closer a lot in prior years. And I don't think he's necessarily ready for that role on a consistent basis, but I think he's certainly a major league bullpen arm. This bullpen looks a lot different than it did a year ago. And they made a move for Brandon Workman at the deadline last year. And that just, you know, flew back in their faces Mm -hmm. incredibly hard. He couldn't have flamed out any harder. This bullpen, look, Joe Girardi made the comment and it's something a fan would say, but he's the manager of the team that they literally could have told the other, the batters what they were going to throw and it couldn't have gone any worse than it already did. I think he truly believes that they could have run back last season. It wouldn't have gone nearly as bad as as it did. And that's certainly, certainly this team that has a bullpen just better on paper can't possibly be worse than it was a year ago. And they are hoping to take that step. Now, how everything comes together still remains to be seen, but this is a much different look uh, group of relievers heading into this season than it was a year ago. Quick pause for the cause today on the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You guys have heard me talk about Built Bar a lot. Right now, they have an awesome thing going on at uh, their Twitter account, at Built underscore Bar. They have the Built Bar Madness. Uh, and right now, what they're doing is they're putting a bracket together of Built Bars. You guys can go there and vote on, on which one is your favorite every single day. They have a bracket. It's a lot of fun. Go check that out, at Built underscore Bar. And also, guys, when you go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCKEDON20. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-20 to get 20% off on your next order at BuiltBar.com. Once again, locked on 20 at BuiltBar.com. Also use, or also go check out, excuse me, uh, Locked On Today, new podcast, the Locked On Podcast Network, 20 minutes every single day, gets you set for the day's sports action. Once again, that is Locked On Today, wherever y'all get your podcasts. All right, that will do it for part one of the show today, guys. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, stay safe.